The Fantasy Focus Football Podcast is presented by GEICO. Whether you rent or own, GEICO makes it easy to bundle home and auto insurance. Go to GEICO.com today. Fantasy, you're in the 06010. Matthew Barry hanging out with you. We appreciate all of you that are tagging along with us. It's literally unprecedented times right now. We've had some fun with these Zoom meetings. So, Matthew, we're back at it again. But before we get to the fantasy football, how are you and yours holding up right now? You know, we're okay. I appreciate you asking. We're certainly, you know, uh, feeling very, very blessed and lucky so far. Everyone's healthy. We're trying to stay safe. We're trying to stay inside, help flatten the curve. Um, It is a challenge, though, as I mentioned. So I'm in my office. Which is, um, and I'm in the process of moving the office because we were in the, it's a whole long story, but the short version of it is, is that we didn't expect our two oldest kids to be home from college at the moment. We yeah. were in the middle of, of switching stuff around and taking one of their rooms over because one of our, uh, our oldest kids, he's a senior in college and in theory, he wouldn't be, um, uh, you know, he wouldn't be here uh, this summer, but who knows how long he's going to be. So it's, you know, I've got five kids all doing online schoolwork two second graders, a freshman in high school, and two college kids. And so along with my wife and Cooper, the dog, and so a little Cooper pup. So it's, um, uh, we got a full house, as the saying goes, Field. we got a full house. Yeah, well, one of the small silver linings of living in an apartment that's an oversized closet like I do is that we don't have to do much in the way of rearranging. Instead, my wife Chapin gets to babysit me, which I'm sure she loves. Uh, but let's get yeah. to the football, Matthew, because we've got plenty of news and not a ton of time to get through all of it. By let's... the way, is this the first time you've ever been in a T-shirt on camera? Probably. I mean, I'm just, I mean, like, I'm amazed you couldn't find a T-shirt with a pocket square. Hold what on, though. This is an on-brand T-shirt. This is my That's Blossom a... T-shirt. There, there so you go. I had to make sure that yeah, if I was Jarvis, doing yeah. a fantasy-focused football podcast in a T-shirt, it would have a fantasy. So we're going to get into plenty of Jarvis Landry talk later on in the podcast. Yep. Let's begin with Todd Gurley, Matthew, because when we talked last, and we've had a couple of different conversations in a variety of different mediums. So when we last talked on Zoom, Todd Gurley was actually still a Ram. He's subsequently been cut and now found a new home. You and I both sort of speculated that Atlanta would be really an ideal landing spot for Gurley. That's where he goes on a one-year contract. Do we think that Todd Gurley's value all of a sudden catapults because he's now a Falcon and they were, of course, without a clear-cut starting running back prior to that signing? Well, catapult's a strong word. I don't think okay. that I don't think it catapults. I think it maintains. How about that? So Fair. last year, last year, Todd Gurley was running back 16 in points per game. And I think that's about right. I think where I have him right now, I'm gonna pull up my rankings here. Um, I believe I have him at running back 15. I just published my new rankings, by the way. I also published a love-hate of, uh, of all the f- off-season moves uh, through Monday. So you can check that on ESPN.com or the ESPN app. Of course, I'm a company man. And so, yeah, Todd Gurley, I, I just did uh, updated ranks after, post, after the free agency, and I have Todd Gurley at running back 15. Last year, he was running back 16 on a points-per-game basis. So I think it, it, it plateaus here, Field. Like, so here's the it's kind of a positive negative. Okay. The negative here, the negative here is that last year the Rams third in red zone rush percentage, the Falcons 27th in red zone rush percentage. When they got in close, the Falcons threw, the Rams ran, right? And that's one of the things that kind of kept Todd Gurley's fantasy value afloat was that he got a bunch of touchdowns. I believe he had 14 total touchdowns last year. 
And, and so that's the, that's the part that's a little bit of a downside. Having said that, I think the Falcons offense is going to be, you know, as good as the Rams offense was last year. You know, again, where he was like a mid-tier RB2. To your point, opportunity is certainly there with no Devontae Freeman. And you don't bring in Todd Gurley without giving him the ball when they're getting close. So I think their red zone rush percentage and their goal-to-go rush percentage, those numbers will go up. I think the Falcons' offensive line will be better than last year. Remember, Todd Gurley was running behind one of the worst offensive lines in football last year. And so the Falcons were beat up as well, but they've invested a lot in that offensive line field, as you and I have talked about. So the other piece here that I think is positive, the Falcons involved, the Falcons and specifically Matt Ryan, like to involve their running backs in the passing game. Last year, you know, and so I think you'll see um, more Todd Gurley in the passing game, which last year, just 31 receptions for Gurley, the two previous years around 60 each year. So, yeah. so the uptick in offensive line, the uptick in um, passing game usage, and an expected uptick in goal-to-go and red zone usage in Houston, in Atlanta, not – for the Falcons, not Gurley, because Gurley got a ton of work there last year, I think keeps him as a mid-tier, mid-level RB2. I don't have a ton to disagree with there. I would just say that with Gurley, one of the big benefits I'll have this year is that we'll no longer be evaluating whether or not Todd Gurley needs to be a top five or top eight draft pick, because it really muddied the waters last year, right? It was, are you drafting the Todd Gurley that could win you your league? And the answer proved to be no, but he still scored 14 touchdowns. So I'm with you. He's a mid-tier RB2 that should see plenty of volume based off of the running back depth in Atlanta and also his own ability. I think the fact that he's no longer the highest-paid running back in football, it just it just makes our expectations a little bit more reasonable and commensurate with what I think Gurley is going to bring to the Falcons. So the other side of this, Matthew, is that the Rams now have a hole, or at least a hole to fill, at their starting running back spot. If I say Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson is the starting running back duo next year in the, in, for the Rams, do you buy it? Do you sell it? Do you think it's one or the other? Or do you think this all of a sudden is a position they need to address at some point during the draft? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think potentially they will. We'll see, you know, who, who, you know, there's some nice running backs there. But ultimately, I think, like, in terms of how I ranked it, Watch, watch me be dead wrong here, but I think it's going to be Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson. I think they'll add some depth, whether it's a you know a cheap free agent signing or they draft somebody. But I don't see having a running back high enough that that person immediately comes in and is the guy. I think there's yeah. lots of confidence in Malcolm Brown, who performed well last year. Remember, five touchdowns in limited time last year for for Malcolm Brown. He had just 15 red zone touches, so he's five for 15 on red zone touches last year in terms of scoring. Um, and, again, we expect their offensive line to be better. And you and I have talked about this, and this is, this is not a secret. Sean McVay could not stop raving about Daryl Henderson coming out of college a year ago at this point, you know, a, a year ago at this time. Like, he absolutely loved uh, Daryl Henderson. And so, you know, listen, he's a guy – he's a big play waiting to happen, terrific in terms of yards after the touch, very elusive and fast. We saw some, you know, m- mere moments – uh, of Daryl Henderson he didn't get in the field very much last year, but to me, I think, you know, I ranked uh, Daryl Henderson actually higher than Malcolm Brown in my rankings, just because I think Malcolm Brown is fine, and if he gets the guy, he'll be a solid. He'll be a he'll be a, a rich man's version of Peyton Barber, Fair. for lack of a better, you know what I mean? But like, totally. he's a grinder, right? You know what I mean? He'll be a grinder, and if he has volume, he'll score, and you know he's good around the red zone, and they like him, and they trust him in that role. 
But if you're telling me one of these two guys could be special next year, I do think it's Daryl Henderson just from the eye test and knowing what the Rams coaching staff thinks of Henderson. Yeah, I feel the same way there, Matthew. The only thing that I would add before we move on to a crowded backfield in Denver is just that the value is not going to be in Henderson. Just because so many people heard those Sean McVay evaluations last year, and heck, they wanted to make Daryl Henderson happen last year, that the value, if you look at best ball leagues right now and other sites that are sites that are actually running drafts, you're starting to see that people are already excited about Daryl Henderson. So I'm with you. He has more star power. I also think that there's a chance that if it doesn't happen this year with Daryl Henderson, that Malcolm Brown will wind up being a value play, as you just mentioned. Let's well, go to- and, and by the way, Malcolm Brown could be the absolute value play because I don't think they want Daryl Henderson to be, quote, the guy. Yeah, Daryl Henderson is a guy that's going to be, you know, for lack of a better uh, comp here, He's going to be the, you know, if you think back to Sean McVay's Redskins offenses, he's going to be Chris Thompson. He's going to be 8 to 12 touches a game, try to put him in high leverage situations, situations where they think they can get a mess match, get him into space, try to create yards after contact contact in space. space. But you're not going to, um, you know, he's not going to be the guy between the 20s. He's not going to be the guy that, you know, that you're pounding into the middle of the line on first and 10. Um, So Malcolm Brown could absolutely be a – uh, you know, a value depending on where ADP shakes out next year for him. Yeah. So by the way, we uh, checked in yesterday on Twitter through this new notification of uh, this new uh, functionality they have yeah. where one person can be on audio, one person can be on video. It sort of operates like a periscope with two people. Uh, and we talked Broncos. So for those that may have seen or heard that yesterday, let's revisit that conversation. It's a two year deal worth up to 16 million. I'll just say Matthew from the, I have a question for you field just before we move on here. I'm just, I'm trying to look at this screenshot. Like, you know, I've got this bald head. I've got this big, bad dome here. I never heard of that. Yeah, no, you know, like I'm, I'm in, like I'm in my basement where the lighting is awful anyway to begin with, but it's like the one room I could find where it'd be quiet, where Cooper and my five kids and my wife wouldn't be screaming at me. Uh, to do this, but like as I'm looking at, it, I just keep seeing this light on my. It's 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 spotlighting my big baldness. Is it like is it better there? Is it better? What's yeah, is that's it better there? Right there. Yeah, okay, maybe just turn good. the camera off. That might work for what us. If I just do that. There's, yeah, do like, that. That's, that's the kind of bad lighting I've got right now, dude. Like it's yeah, perfect. What if I do Come this? On. Okay, perfect. That's what I really good. need is a hat. It's awful. I'll All send right. you a beanie or something. Um, right, what, if I do this? what if I do this? Then it, then it looks like I'm, I'm contemplative. It looks like I'm contemplative, but then uh, in the, you, but, uh, you don't see like the, the, the shininess. Okay. Look at you with your thick head of hair. I'm so jealous. That makes you happy. Go for it. I'm, I'm yeah. having an okay hair day myself. Yeah, you are. Let's move along to the Broncos here, yeah. Matthew. Melvin Gordon gets a two-year deal worth $16 million, which the reason I mentioned the financials is it gives you a sense of what kind of investment they think uh, this is in Melvin Gordon. It's like a legit two for 16 also. And I don't know if this is like a flare that's being sent up to suggest that Philip Lindsay is no longer what he has been for the past two seasons in Denver, or if – this is just the Broncos maybe misallocating resources, but two years, $16 million sounds like the kind of guy you want to make the focal point of your offense. You know, I, I for one, am shocked that you would think the team that drafted Paxton Lynch in the first round and just signed Joe Flacco and, um, you know, uh, would ever misallocate resources. No, I'm I'm, so my question was, if they yeah. signed him at that money to not be a starter or not be a huge part of their offense, then it no, will be a misallocation resources. No, right? he's, he, he's the guy. The, to me, the, the domino to fall is Royce Freeman. You know? right. And so it just 
you know, what happens with Royce Freeman and does he get released? Does he, I, which would be weird to me, right? You know, that like, feels like they would try to trade him. Like he's still on his rookie deal. Like you're not saving that much money by releasing Royce Freeman. Sure. So I feel like, was he what, a second or third round pick? He was a third round pick two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that's, that'll be the, the, you know, sort of really interesting here, but let's assume that Royce Freeman is playing for another team next year or, even if he stays in Denver, that he's basically running back depth. Right. So the here are, I agree. You don't bring in Melvin Gordon tonight on paying that kind of money to not use him as the feature back. And this is a team that, you know, listen, I think it's a better offensive line in Denver than a line work. This is a guy who I believe has scored um, at least eight rushing touchdowns each of the last four years. Wow. Uh, you yep. know, for, you know, and he's a guy that, you know, so uh, like he has, he has 23 total touchdowns in his last 24 games played over the last two seasons, Melvin Gordon does. So he's a touchdown machine. So, so all those are positives. The problem for him, he did the touchdowns, which he's going to, which he has gotten and he will get. And he needs volume. Like he's not the most efficient guy under four yards for carry for the last year's field. So now Melvin Gordon goes to a Denver team that, how good do we think this offense is going to be? My feeling is, is with a young quarterback and Drew Locke, and, by the, and we'll talk about him in a second, and Locke had flashes last year, but my expectation here is, and tell me if you just know, uh, does he get that kind of volume with Philip Lindsay and at the moment for 27 touches a game? Melvin, Melvin Gordon was running back, running back, um, Melvin Gordon was running back 14 points per game last year. He averaged 17 touches a game. Yeah, I think that's all. I, I don't. I don't disagree with your assessment of how they want to win next year, how they want to play or identify next season. I think when I sort of step back and think about what this means for the Broncos is that, like Philip Lindsay, I think there's a chance that Philip Lindsay is relegated to a non-fantasy role. Right? I mean, there's a chance at the very least if you pay Melvin Gordon to be that. And our friend Mike Clay projects Gordon now, and this is a very early projection, of course, for 225 carries. And 904 yards plus 47 catches. That would have been RB13 last year if you incorporate the yards and touchdowns that Mike has as well. That's like that's legit. And it's hard for me to envision that Philip Lindsay could carry Melvin Gordon becomes the clear-cut Broncos running back that you want to invest in. The trick is going to be where you want to invest in him. And for now, even though Philip Lindsay become could become, again, to use that same term of value play because he's really good, like, it, this can't be misconstrued. Like, the Broncos obviously have a slightly different evaluation of Philip Lindsay than I probably thought they did before they signed Melvin Gordon to a $16 million deal. Right. So I ranked, I ranked Melvin Gordon at not, running back 19, and that okay. may be too low. It's, you no, know, it's an early ranking. Right? And there's some other guys in there, like I have Chris Carson ahead, and we want to see how healthy he comes back. Does Seattle draft a running back in the in the draft that they've been rumored to uh, to do? and you know, we'll see if, like, you know, I've, Je- I've Devin Singletary ahead of him. Does Buffalo add anyone? Yeah, so there's there's still some pieces to fall. It's an early ranking. But I have him as a low-end RB, too, because I think Phil Lindsay's good. And to your point, Phil Lindsay may not get enough work to be fantasy relevant, but I feel like he gets enough work to make Melvin Gordon less fantasy relevant. Totally. Like, it, like I'm not saying he's going to be Austin Eckler, because people are like, oh, well, last year, Austin Eckler, you know, Austin Eckler was a rock star, and yet even after – one Mel- once, Mel- once Melvin Gordon came back, Austin Eckler was still a fantasy star, and yet from the point Melvin Gordon came back, again, he was running back 14 fantasy points per game. Uh, and I don't think Lindsay is Austin Eckler. 
But I also don't think the Broncos' offense is nearly as good as the Chargers' offense that, you know, with, with they had 100 injured some year, but they had, they, you know, Keenan Allen, they had Mike Williams, and they had Henry and Philip Rivers, right? Versus, you know, Drew Locke, Cortland Sutton, and we'll see. Sure. You know, I mean, like, so I, so I think there's, I think he gets, I think he probably gets, I would project him to like 17 touches a game. I don't know if Mike Clay, what, he says 225 carries. What's the, what's the math on that? So you throw in the 47 receptions, that's 275 over 16 is like, yeah, about 17 touches per game, right around okay, there. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so, you totally. know, and just, will he, I think he gets the scoring. So we'll get 17 touches a game. Again, running back 14 last year, slightly worse team, better offensive line, but played at a slower pace of play, like mid-tier, mid-to-lower-tier RB2, depending on what happens with Royce Freeman. Let's because quickly move along. Gets five touches, even if Royce Freeman gets five touches a game, like not anything, you're not going to want to use Royce Freeman, but those are five touches not going to Melvin Gordon. Yeah, so uh, fair. Uh, I agree on that. So let's move on to the Broncos quarterback. And this can be quick, Matthew, because we've talked about a lot of quarterbacks. And I, what I don't want to do is introduce, hey, here are 28 guys that could be fantasy relevant this year, right? But like, so if you are buying Drew Locke as like a sleepy sleeper top 10 option, we can discuss it. If you aren't, then I think he sort of fits into a category that we know applies to virtually every starting quarterback in the NFL. Like, possible bi-week fill-in, definitely on the two-quarterback league radar, and has some value in a 16-team league if you are at the trade deadline and you're trying to hoard quarterbacks from others, something like that. Yeah, here you're, you're pulling the Bill Simmons. Simmons likes to do that in his fantasy leagues. As of, yes, uh, I remember that from last his podcast. Uh, we love Simmons, although I completely disagree with his idea to just hoard quarterbacks. But uh, anyway, yeah, I mean, his other four, you know, so Locke had that bad game in Kansas City in December, but his other four starts completed over 70%. His passes had seven touchdown passes in those four games. You know, now he comes into the year knowing he is the guy. They'll design that offense around what he does well, what he's comfortable, what he likes doing. But you're right, Theo. Like, the quarterback position, once again in fantasy, is so crazy deep. I, you know, I ranked 20 quarterbacks, and I didn't even get to, you know, I didn't get to Nick Foles. I didn't get to, I didn't get to Gardner Minshew. I ranked 20 quarterbacks without Cam Newton. And we'll it's see what crazy. happens with this time, right? Yeah. I mean, too so, many chips to fall. Too many or too many dominoes yet to fall in that quarterback spot. That uh, we're not trying to be dismissive of Drew Locke as a player, but like, will if, if we have reason to believe there's more promise, we'll get to it later on this offseason. Let's go to Eric Ebron Matthew, a guy that has been sort of a thorn in the side for people in fantasy football. Right? You want to make him happen, and he lets you down, yeah. and then once he does start to perform consistently and you invest in him, then he lets you down again. Well, he now has a new home in Pittsburgh, two years, $12 bucks. Kind of an interesting uh, signing, actually, in my opinion, uh, given the Steelers clearly had to upgrade that tight end spot this offseason, and I think there's a chance this offense could be pretty good. Are we back to thinking that Eric Ebron could be a starter tight end, or is this just another guy that fits into that class of tight ends that we always talk about and always agonize over and sort of always just kind of end up the same place, four or fewer points, and then they're like, all right, I didn't lose because of him, but I didn't win because of him either. I think it's that. I think it's. I think he's the guy that the six weeks that he scores a touchdown, you're, you're thrilled with it, and the rest of the time he's just, you know, eight, nine points here. The thing is, is that uh, Eric Ebron had one great year. 13 touchdown receptions on 66 catches in 16 games. The rest of his career, 14 touchdown receptions on 217 receptions in 67 games. 
And Daniel Dopp is not on camera, but he is listening to this entire thing. And I think it's worth noting that the Detroit Lions spent a first-round pick on Eric Ebron. You know, I had, I had forgotten that, Matthew. I had forgotten. Yeah. Just, and I believe it was a high pick. Wasn't it like a top-10 pick field? I don't know if it was in the same draft as Aaron Donald and Odell Beckham Jr. I can't recall. Yeah, 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 exactly. So just, I mean, when you think about just all the futility that the Detroit Lions have had since Eric Ebron was drafted in the first round, like you can understand uh, the frustration of somebody like a Daniel Dock. You know what I mean? Like you would like, you'd put a lot of tattoos on you. You try to hurt your body, right? You try to, you know, just because, because the shame you feel and the pain that you have entirely. So does that mean that you like him for the Steelers, by the way? No, I don't. I, no, here's the other thing. Ebron also, by the way, has missed at least three games in four of his six NFL seasons. He gets banged up a little bit. I think this kills Vance McDonald's value. I yeah. think this helps. I thought this was a good NFL move for the Steelers. I, you know, to your point, they needed to upgrade that position. It gives them another weapon, another viable weapon for Ben and his return from injury here. But I think he's, you know, he's a mid-tier tight end, too. And so, you know... He's just never been, other than 2018, he's never been a big touchdown guy. And for me, if I'm fishing in that tight end two area, right, I'll just, I'll get in, maybe we do a quick name game here. Maybe we do a quick name game very quickly. I'm just curious. I'll, I'll give you some tight ends that I ranked around, um, uh, around Eric Ebron, and you just tell me who you like better or not. Quick, we'll just quick name game. So Eric Ebron or Jared Cook? Jared Cook. Me too. Eric Ebron or Noah Fant? Noah Fant. I agree. Eric Ebron or his former teammate, Jack Doyle? Jack Doyle. Agreed. Same, especially with Phil Rivers there. Uh, Eric Ebron or Mike Gusecki? Mike Gusecki. Agreed. Yeah. Eric Ebron or new Falcon starter, Hayden Hurst? That one's close because I just haven't seen it yet from Hayden Hurst, but, you know, part of me thinks that there's a better chance of upside with Hayden Hurst. I agree. I have Hayden Hurst higher. Give me, give me two more. Uh, Eric Ebron or Jonu Smith? Um, I'll go Jonu Smith, but it's close. Same. Eric Ebron or Ian Thomas now filling in for uh, Greg Olson? Maybe Eric Ebron with a touchdown upside there, but we'll see. And, so and then we Eric Ebron the or Blake Jarwin? Yeah, uh, I'll go with Eric Ebron there. Yeah, Let's so keep ripping good. through here, Matthew, because we got 10 minutes left on our stream. Right, yeah, yeah, we can whip through it. Do you want to get some Emmanuel Sanders? I think yep. we skipped Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah. Okay, well, no, we haven't yet skipped Emmanuel Sanders. He comes up in just a minute. But let's just start making okay. these things a little bit more truncated. Brashad Perriman. Brashad Perriman signs with the Jets, a one-year deal. Remember, he was really, really good for the Bucks late last season, in part because no one was healthy. Remember Chris Godwin and Mike Evans both got hurt. He was terrific late last season. Did the Jets find themselves a diamond in the rough? Can this guy be something like that as Sam Darnold's sort of, I mean, in theory, number one target? I think so. So this is this is a guy who last year, 16.6 air yards per target, second among wide receivers. Again, um, you know, that's in, you know, the air Arians offense here. But to your point about finishing strong, from week 13 on field, Rashad Perriman was the third best wide receiver in fantasy. Still only 26 years old. People forget this guy was a first-round draft pick. And, and, and now, injuries, troubles with the drops, he's kicked around the league, but seemed to find himself last year in Tampa Bay. And if you watch those five games, obviously the volume helped and the kind of the YOLO style of quarterback play that Jameis Winston had. But Rashad Perryman can play. He made contestant catches. He won 50-50 balls. He ran good routes. And he's basically going to be Robbie Anderson for the New York Jets on a team that's going to have to throw. So 
I think this is, you know, I ranked him as wide receiver 41, but I think there's some upside there with Rashad Perryman. I have been in a dynasty league, and I was thrilled with him signing with the Jets. So let's move along to Emmanuel Sanders, Matthew. The aforementioned Emmanuel Sanders, who goes to the Saints on a two-year, $16 million deal worth up to $19 million. Um, could this just be like the golden ticket of fantasy? Because it feels like for so long we've wanted the Saints wide receiver, other than their number one, in this case, Michael Thomas, to be a factor. And Emmanuel Sanders might be the best one they've had in quite some time. Could this guy become, I don't know about, I mean, maybe what he was uh, before his Achilles tear a couple of years ago. Like when before that Achilles tear, it was like a top 15 wide receiver. So I could be dead wrong on this one. This one scares me. But at the moment, I'm saying no. Okay. I actually thought this, I thought this again, similar to Ebron. I think this is a. I thought this was a great move for the Saints. I think this is a great move for Drew Brees' fantasy value. I have real concerns about Emmanuel Sanders' fantasy value. Last yeah. season, Saints wide receivers not named Michael Thomas combined for 93 targets, just 56 receptions. Over the last two seasons, there's only been five times that a non-Michael Thomas Saints wide receiver has scored even 12.5 fantasy points in a game. 12.5 fantasy points is basically what T.Y. Hilton averaged last year when he was wide receiver 34 on a points-per-game basis. So you think about Michael Thomas, you think about Alvin Kamara, you think about Jared Cook. I would argue Michael Tom- Emmanuel Sanders is basically fighting with Jared Cook to be the third option in this offense, maybe the fourth. I think there'll be some good games for Emmanuel Sanders, but in terms of a consistent fantasy value, I think this is a better move for the Saints than it is for Emmanuel Sanders' fantasy value. I'm and a little see that more- volume increasing. Yeah, I'm a little more bullish on the player. I just feel like he was so, so good for the 49ers, and I understand what you're saying. All of that that logic is is, is very reasonable. Uh, it's logical. Um, but I just feel like there's a chance, like, it would not stun me if Emmanuel Sanders had 80 catches and 1,000 yards last year because all of the things that you've noted are, what they, are based off of what they had in the past, and he's just different than anybody else they've ever had. That being said, when you're coming off of a season when one wide receiver has 149 catches, He's going to get his, Will Mike. And Alvin Kamara has 81 catches for each of the past three years, literally 81 in each of the past three. He's going to get his. I just think it's possible that Emmanuel Sanders takes this offense to another level, which is why I think it's one of the better moves that we've seen in free agency so far this offseason. Sanders is a great player, and you know we saw it last year, obviously. And we've seen it throughout his NFL career. So there's no question. Like I said, that's the that's my ranking that I have the that I'm the most nervous about because I completely agree it could totally blow up on my face. But you're asking me to make a call. That's that's the call I'm making. I think it it hurts more than it helps his fantasy value because so of the other Anderson, weapons they have. Yeah, Robbie Anderson's patience paid off. He got a two year deal worth twenty million bucks with the Panthers. Um, reunites with Matt Rule, his former college coach at Temple. Talk about a few football eons ago. Um, this all is kind of fun. And, by the way, reunites with his college quarterback. XFL superstar P.J. Walker That's was his wild. quarterback in Temple. Of course, P.J. now a member of the Carolina Panthers as well. He's going to back up Teddy Bridgewater. But anyway, yeah, so finish up what you're saying. This offense is kind of fun. Yeah. This is a, we talked about this yesterday when we did a little Twitter thing as well. I think you made the point, and I agree with you, that Teddy Bridgewater is a guy that has been dink and dunk throughout his career. 6.8 air yards per attempt throughout his career. Over that time span, uh, time span, that would be 43rd among qualified quarterbacks. So it's dink and dunk, but you think about him and Curtis Samuel and um, uh, DJ Moore and Chris McCaffrey, all of whom have speed to burn, right? So is this just, you know, Teddy Bridgewater's accurate in short areas, like just try to a lot of crossing routes and try to get these guys and pick plays and just try to get these guys in space 
get the ball in their hands quickly and then let them fly? Like, are you doing that? My concern for Robbie Anderson, I thought it was a good signing and the positives here that he goes to, again, a college coach and a regime that this is one of the first big moves they made. So they're clearly, they bought in on Robbie Anderson. But you've got DJ Moore and Christian uh, Chris McCaffrey, sorry, Chris McCaffrey, both of whom are going to get over 100 targets. Greg Olson and Ian Thomas last year combined for over 100 targets. Curtis Samuel had over 100 targets. Yeah. He threw the second most in the NFL last year. How much more can they throw? So I just don't know where all the targets for Robbie Anderson are going to come. I ranked Robbie Anderson as wide receiver 53. I think he's, again, like, I just think outside of DJ Moore, like, like Curtis Samuel last year was a, I think he was wide receiver 36 off the top of my head. So just something like that. I just, I just don't, I think, again, another one of those good fan, good move for the Panthers. And I think that offense will be a lot more fun than people maybe give it credit for. But in terms of consistent fantasy value, it's a wait and see approach for me on Robbie Anderson. I think it's better. It's it's DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey is who you want in Carolina. No major disagreement there. I think that Robbie Anderson provides them with some speed and some vertical threats. But you're right, this will not be a vertically inclined offense. All right, Matthew, I'm being told from the powers that be. Spend some time to talk again. It will not be that long. I promise people that. And there, and Instagram, he's providing content that way. I am my football content comes through Twitter. We've got plenty of football news still ahead. Jameis Winston looking for a home. Kim looking for a home. Andy Dalton. Stay with us. Thanks yeah. for hanging out. Stay safe out there, buddy. Yeah, we'll talk about all those, plus Peyton Barber, Devin Funches, and a lot more uh, on our next podcast. Stay tuned. Stay home. Stay safe. Flatten the curve. Peace out. Geico presents, oh, not again, another voicemail from your roommate. Hey, man, so I was in a rush to get to work and I left the back door open. Could you shut it? I left it wide open. Uh, While you're there, could you also turn off the oven and all of the burners? (laughs) My mom never let me use the oven. I wonder why. (laughs) The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected, like if it's your roommate's first time operating an oven. Visit Geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance.